Today's show is brought to you by HBO. HBO's Silicon Valley is as timely as ever as Pied Piper founder Richard Hendricks pivots to build a decentralized internet free of ads and data tracking. But as the saying goes, new internet, new problems. Watch new episodes of Silicon Valley Sundays at 10 p.m. on HBO. I watch it every week. Today's show is brought to you by MParticle. It's the only customer data platform built to address modern data challenges. For most brands today, customer interactions are spread across lots of connected devices, and that makes it tough to create optimal experiences and drive the right marketing outcomes. That's why brands like Spotify, Venmo, and Airbnb use MParticle. It lets them unify customer data into a single customer view. Then they can easily integrate the data into any marketing or analytics platform with no additional engineering time required. The result is more personalized customer experiences on websites and in apps, as well as more relevant ads across channels and partners. Visit mparticle.com to learn how mparticle can help your businesses unify the customer experience and accelerate growth. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as someone who hates the haters and enjoys doing it, but in my spare time, I talk tech and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Sally Cohn, a political commentator for CNN. She's the author of a new book called The Opposite of Hate, A Field Guide to Repairing Our Humanity. Sally, welcome to Recode Decode. So it just took me a second to realize I'm in a red chair. uh, (laughs) Yes, you are. I'm kind of clashing. a red chair. It's It's the the red chair. Excuse me. Just so you know. Thank you for having me in your red chair. Thank you for having me in your red chair. No problem. Thank you. So it's going to be a hot seat. We're going to talk about some controversy around your book, around someone I know well, Aminatou So, uh, and others. Um, But we're going to first talk a little bit about the book, and then I do want to get into that, because it it goes to the heart of what your book is about in a lot of ways, how we misunderstand and, uh, and, and misrepresent people online and how that happens. And today is a very good example with uh, with Kanye West and Donald Trump and the, all kinds of stuff. So There's an all example every day. Every sing- well, it's getting worse, I think, in a lot of ways. So let's talk a little bit about you. Let's go into your how you got up to this book. Now, you are you started off as an activist or what? what's your background? So I started out as an organizer. So mm-hmm. I spent the first 15 years of my career Traveling around the country, mm-hmm. uh, helping people in communities who wanted to make changes, uh, do what they wanted to do, connect with others, and mm-hmm. uh, win changes at the local and state and national level. So I worked on right. immigration reform, health care policy, criminal justice reform, uh, and that was— How did you get into that? What, what was I, your bag? You had gone to where to school? Yeah, uh, I went to George Washington University because, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, I yeah. thought it would be fun to be kind of politics adjacent. Right. Um, You're interested in politics. But, yeah, I'm interested in like small p politics. I'm interested right. in, I was sort of raised by parents uh, who instilled in me a value of making a difference and giving back. Mm-hmm. And then when I came out in high school, I'd say that sort of amped that into a more sort of focus on justice and structural change and right. structural, right? And it, and it like made me want to actually not just like be a good volunteer, uh, you know, on the side, but actually work to change the injustices that that and what specifically did you to. change? So you went to college and then you went and organized. And give me some examples of the activism. I mean, the, I went to graduate school too in right. the middle there. Um, right. But it took lots of forms. I took, I worked for national organizations throughout my organizing career. So mm-hmm. what I would literally do is go into, you know, rural Iowa, mm-hmm. where folks wanted to work on factory, you know, pig factory pollution issues. Mm-hmm. And whether it was helping them think about their media strategy, training them to 
do, you know, spokesperson training so that when they were going and doing public events, they were better spokespeople thinking about their goals and strategy and how they were getting from point A to point B and what their tactics were and, right? Um, So it was, that, that was the, that was so organizing. Like what? what yeah. So you did pig organizing, or pig farm <laughs> organizing, or what was? The, was that one of them? <laughs> I did. I mean, so I, you know, worked on, uh, you know, healthcare reform, getting rural communities to uh, engage, and you know, there were a lot of when we were trying to pass Obamacare in right. this country, mm-hmm. a lot of the opposition came from so-called blue dog Democrat counties, so mm-hmm. counties that were sure. rural white conservative but represented by Democrats, right. and those constituents were not uh, wanted. Right. Healthcare policy had messed up, defective, ineffect, inefficient, and expensive healthcare, right. and wanted improvements, but weren't being Supported. activated. Spo- you know, weren't speaking up in that. So I, we, I, one of the things I did was work with a number. So I didn't like run things myself. What I did was I worked with grassroots organizations in communities and cities and states around the country, right. and supported their agendas, their goals. Right. Help them. Right. So that was 10 years. You worked on that for 10 years. 15. 15. And so that was through Obama before that. It had to have been before. Pre, pre, yeah. I mean, I'd push. Yeah. So uh, lots yeah. of topics, yeah, lots yeah. of different topics. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but you specialize in healthcare? No, or, no, no. Right? No, uh, lots of No, I started in uh, LGBT rights, mm-hmm. did criminal justice reform. Right. Uh, as I said, criminal justice reform, healthcare, immigrant rights, economic but justice issues. But you never went issues. into politics yourself. You Gosh, never, no. No, because? Oh, um, huh. <laughs> um, because I believe in the voice and leadership of others. Others, okay. Right, and that's what I, as, a, as an organizer, right? right? Yeah. That's what organizing is all about. Right. You are there to amplify, support, and lift up people who are most directly affected by okay. these issues, and that's what I've always held dear to my heart. But And you never worked on a political campaign. Did you work on a political campaign? You know, very adjacent. I was I was usually on the other side. So, for instance, uh, in 2008, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, you're testing my history here. I like to in know 2000, We do No, this no, no. This is lovely. Much. In 2008, for instance, I helped to organize uh, what was then the first ever grassroots uh, political uh, forum mm-hmm. where regular people went were on the stage telling their stories and asking questions of the presidential candidates mm-hmm. hadn't been done before mm-hmm. uh, so it, sort of that was so did that you was bring my Ken that was my adjacency no way before that this oh, was my no that was how Ken I was campaigning yeah, sort right. of adjacent or organizations that are involved in sure. voter registration voter turnout but in a sort of more general good for democracy and issues and engagement way and not specifically candidate Driven. Right. Okay. So you did that. And then how did you get to cable? You were on, how did you become the <laughs> pet liberal of Fox? Pet, <laughs> pet liberal. Come on. That's what they do. That's really Sorry, cute. Sally, well, we can, let's get Come into on. that. No, 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 no. Yeah, right. All right. So uh, in 2009, I was speaking. They do a, it on CNN too. Like it's I mean, the same, it's, it's, it's the same difference. Listen, we're all pets yeah. in a cog and a wheel in a, right? <laughs> no, we're not. No, we're um, not. Except for you. I'm sorry. No, every, not yeah. everybody is. But let me talk I, uh, about that. So no, no, I'm trying to figure out how you got there. Yeah. So in 2009, I was speaking at a conference. Um, and a woman comes up to me and afterwards and says, we have to get you on television. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her and I kind of laughed and I said, no, we, no, we don't because <laughs> that's not what I do. Like mm-hmm. my ethos the, right. and the whole, you know, worldview I've been raised on, well, the, the antithesis of being public. You, right. As an organizer, as a good organizer, you're supposed to be behind the scenes sure. and you are helping the people who are actually affected by the issues and living these issues, them be in the spotlight. So I, I said no and I turned to walk away. And she grabbed my arm. She actually grabbed my arm kind of hard. And she said, no, you're going to do this and you're going to be good at it. 
And that woman was Geraldine Laybourne. Oh, wow. So first, for those who don't know, first woman ever to run a network. She is. She ran indeed. Nickelodeon. Maybe not the network for me, although mm-hmm. I do hold out hopes maybe someday <laughs> I could still be a cartoon character. Yeah, she was a real legend. And in then the programming. she and uh, her, you know Oprah started Oxygen, so mm-hmm. she was not the kind of person who takes no for an answer. She yeah. physically dragged me across the room, introduced me to Carol Jenkins, mm-hmm. legend in New York broadcasting, mm-hmm. and said she's going to train you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to support you. I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to right. And she was. You know, wow. as they say, as good it's as a very Jerry Laybourn thing. It's a very I've come to find out. <laughs> yeah. And to be honest, initially I was like, "All right, I get it. She doesn't take no." Um, and I'll go. This will be interesting. I could kind of tell from my organizing work that the media was becoming more important mm-hmm. in political engagement. Sure. Um, and so, and there was also space opening up for not just you know, reporters and experts and no, academics pundits, whatever, but, yeah. but not just pundits, but actual regular people to be right. in. So I thought, okay, cool. I'll learn something mm-hmm. and I'll go back and be an organizer and I'll just mm-hmm. have, be like a more media savvy mm-hmm. organizer and I can spread those sure. skills. And then I realized I liked it. Mm-hmm. I realized I liked it. Has it has a siren call to it, doesn't it? I realized, well, I realized I liked it. I realized it was, I was good at it. Mm-hmm. I realized my community, the activist organizing community I came from was supportive mm-hmm. of me in that role and that it was a lot like organizing. It was just mm-hmm. instead of you know, 50 people in a church basement. I had millions of people on television, but it's the same idea of translating ideas and activating people and engaging people Mm -hmm. and helping them connect them to their hopes and dreams and Mm -hmm. ideas. And and so uh, it's stuck, at least so far. Okay. And so when you were actively doing it, you started on what channels? You started... I did what baby pundits do. Right. And I went on uh, Fox (laughs) and MSNBC and CNN. Right. So they put you you around. How did you get on them? How did they... (laughs) That's what I want to do. You really want to know the story? Yes, I do. Funny. I okay. want to understand because I no, want to talk you know about like, your time there. Okay, thank you. But, like, I mean, like, nobody – these are this is, we're go, this is a deep tracks here. All right. That's okay. So uh, I started, you know, at Jerry's sort of encouragement and with the support of Carol Jenkins, who at the mm-hmm. time was running the Women's Media Center. She then right. left, and Jammu Green ran the Women's Media Center, and they ran right. a training, which they still do, by the way, which is incredibly valuable mm-hmm. and important, mm-hmm. called Progressive Women's Voices, where they train How do you talk women. To, like, right. to, and you learn, yeah. like – how to get your thoughts into sound bites, and also sure. like where do you look mm-hmm. and how do you sit and right. stuff that's very very important. In addition to that, and some other and trainings speeches, I did. Yeah, yeah. But that training, um, because Jammu had a relationship with Fox News, one of the things we did was we did a practice day mm-hmm. at Fox News. Right. So we all went in, we got makeup, we got in, we sat in the actual set mm-hmm. and did practice interviews that then were taped and we watched back. Um, and my practice interview was actually with Allison Camerata, mm-hmm. who since has become a close friend. Mm -hmm. That was how we first met. Uh, And I met in the green room someone who was helping organize this weekend training Mm -hmm. uh, who was a booker for Sean Hanley. Okay. So a few weeks later, you know, they trained us how to go pitch ourselves and whatever and all the stuff that I was super... I had no idea. I was super uncomfortable with Mm -hmm. and I'd never, you know, and and had to learn and... um, then I call up to get my nerve up, and I call mm-hmm. her up to pitch her. I forget the topic or whatever. And she didn't remember. It was very clear that she did not remember me, mm-hmm. had no idea who I was, had no idea how I'd gotten her number, mm-hmm. was incredibly rude and dismissive to me and hung up on me. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then about five minutes later, she remembered who I was. Okay. And that we'd met and had, like, this nice conversation and sure. talked about hobbies and whatever yeah, yeah. and called back and profusely apologized that she'd forgotten my name and when we met and whatever and felt so badly she booked me on it. Right. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I mean, yeah. her name is Lauren Fritz. I've shared this story. She now works yeah. at WeWork. She's, right. uh, okay. She worked for uh, Governor Christie. She's wonderful. Um, 
And so it was, <laughs> so my first national television appearance mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. was about a year after that, that uh, episode with Jerry. And it was on Sean Hannity's show, Primetime, uh, with Essie Cup. We were debating uh, public funding for uh, public media, for NPR and uh, PBS. Right. That was it. Oh, that's one of their favorite topics, right? It was. Yeah. Yeah, that was so, it. So talk a little bit about this. You were on Sean's show a lot, you know, Hannity's show a lot. You were on—I shouldn't call him Sean. I don't know him. Um, you were on his show a lot and he, other shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you on other shows, too? Yeah, like, I, I mean, oh, we're like—yeah, we, uh, I mean, I, I, did, I did, like I said, I did— MSNBC and CNN and right. Fox, and I sort of but did the long you, circulation. And exclusive then, to Fox then? No, so what happened then was about a year later, I saw this guy on the street. Uh, I thought he looked like Roger Ailes. Mm-hmm. So oh, I waved only, at him. Yeah. He's a pretty distinct, yeah, he, he was really a pretty is. distinct looking person. Jabba we've, the Hutt. Yeah. We've, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I am. He looked I'm, like Jabba the Hutt, everybody. Because I'm, I'm nice. <laughs> was, was, Jabba was nicer. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, so I saw him, I waved at him, he waved back. Next day he calls me up, we have, he invites me to his office, he tells me I have pretty eyes. Oh, okay. Five times. Okay. In five minutes. Yeah. I think I got off easy. I think you did. Thank you. And, uh, remind me to tell you what he said after I left Fox. <laughs> All Just, right. we're, okay. we're gonna save that. You we're gonna, don't have pretty a, eyes. Is that what they call a teaser? <laughs> we're gonna save that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, and then he, he asked if I wanted to be a contributor. And so what I did was, I actually did at that moment what I'd done a year prior when I even went on Fox, which is I called literally my, it was my friends from organizing who were running the campaigns to try to shut down Fox. Right. And I called them all up and I said, "Um, hey guys. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, and be like, I wanted them to hold me accountable and tell me what they think. And is this a good idea or a bad idea? What's the, and so worked through it with that community of folks um, who were supportive, who in fact said, look, there's going to be someone, we'd rather be you, you'll stand up for our values, you'll, right? And so that was, um, so I decided to do it, and I was a, I was at Fox News for two and a half years. Yeah. So that experience, weird, because you were the one that was saying the opposite of you were th- their version of. Well, Alan. I was like, yeah. Here's the thing: they didn't, and Roger, I don't think ever understood this. Mm-hmm. That he, he didn't under, and a lot of folks at Fox didn't understand the difference between the sort of spectrum of the Democratic left. Mm-hmm. So for them, I was interchangeable with. Kirsten Powers or Juan Williams or whatever. I was a liberal. Right. And so that I was actually to the left of them and what that meant Mm -hmm. and what that meant in the particular stew of Fox News and from my perspective and opinion was um, they weren't aware of the distinction. I was keenly aware of it. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, and this is what really leads to the book um, in a lot of ways, first of all, it was the first time I started getting hate mail and hate tweets. So that was a whole reckoning with a side of humanity. Um, well, we can talk about why yeah. I did it. We, we should talk about why yeah. I did it because I think, you know, listen, I believe in change. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, look, why do people rob banks? It's because it's where the money is. I get it. So but, why would I go on from their perspective? Because where the minds are to be changed. I, I suppose. But I think you're there to be the bearded lady for them. That's uh, for them. I'm ta- talking about yeah. well, your right. motivations. But the question is, different. is when I right? So it's like, look, it took me a, a few times to realize that I wasn't mm-hmm. there to talk to Hannity. Mm-hmm. It was never going to change Hannity's mind. Right. Now, mind you, I just want to say. I don't know if you remember, in 2012, when Hannity, after the uh, re-election of Barack Obama, came out in support of a path to citizenship mm-hmm. for immigrants and mm-hmm. said that immigrants are hardworking folks that deserve mm-hmm. to be here. Mm-hmm. I would literally give my left arm for him to 
stick with that and keep fighting for that. Right. That would make more of a difference in right. immigration reform than anything I could ever okay. say or do. Right. So I recognize that is possible. But primarily, the reason I was there was not to talk to Sean, but he was the excuse to talk to okay. the viewers. And right. at the time, 2010, 2011, there were more Democrats, Democrats, right. watching Fox com- than MSNBC or CNN okay. combined. All right. Okay. I wanted yeah, you wanted to get to them. I, want, did, did I, I believe because I believe can change. Did you have reservations? I'm going to give you a hard time with this because I really That's do okay. think that they um, used you in a lot of ways. I think they— yeah, they say more. You know, because they—same thing with Alan— um, What's his name? Holmes, whatever. Uh, Holmes. 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 Yeah. Uh, it just was, it was just as their circus. They're, they're, they have a circus and they have a, it's formulaic in a way that's, all of them are. Listen, listen, every one of them is. Um, and they're not there to illuminate. They're there to part us, divide us, and create all kinds of narratives that are, that are not in, illuminating in any way. Look, I am increasingly skeptical. Mm-hmm about our capacity for constructive, nuanced, yes. deep democratic mm-hmm. dialogue. Uh, you know, what I would consider to be democratically nutritional right. engagement. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the media today, in social media today, it is, and we can, who started it and what started it. And, and I mean, I'm like, th- listen, I can't. You are You are speaking to my... The, the fear I woke up with every day, mm-hmm. right? Am I a puppet being mm-hmm. used in the show? Am I the, you know, the voice man. of sanity? Am I the straw yeah. man or I, am I the voice of sanity? And, you know, if I'm here, at least if I can say one or two things that, right, if I, you know, for every, every time I had those doubts, every time I got all the hate mail and the, mm-hmm. for every time I got an email saying, Look, I don't agree with you, blah, blah, blah. But you made a good point, mm-hmm. right? I appreciated the humanity you brought to that issue. Mm-hmm. I appreciated the right that if I could have that impact to me, I'm not saying every single time right. I thought it was worth it. I'm mm-hmm. not saying every single time I thought it was strategic. Right. Um, but on net, I felt like, look, yes, there is this. Net, you still felt positive. Well, there, that there, there is a, a glimmer. Well, it's like. I, I, again, you're, I, I can't, like, there's no, this is, this is the paradox mm-hmm. of existence right, right. now in, in so many ways, I think. Yeah. And especially at a time, I mean, one of the things that's great about podcasts and yeah. sort of the rise of new media is you can uh, have media that is outside of those apparatus. Right. On the other right. hand, then what you end up with is conversations where you predominantly are talking to people like yourself. Which, right. by the way, I don't actually have a problem with. People call it preaching to the choir. I call it choir rehearsal. It's right. very important yeah. for people to get on the same page and right. talk strategy and, and share core values. Sure. And right? I mean, I think one of the things is it does normalize someone like that who just literally is a ball of rage, as far as I can tell. And it's the Thunderdome. That's the issue. It's, you're in the Thunderdome. And can you—when people are in this sort of rage-filled anger zone, is mm-hmm. that the place to engage with Right, them? except that I don't— I, I know that's make, where the banks. No, 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 you were but, saying where the banks no, 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 are, but, but it's I also, a bad bank. I don't make. I don't. Right, but that doesn't mean that the people who are banking there are bad people. No, right. No, no. So, and if I believe, so one of my political. This, men, I'm trying to get to the point of your book. No, no, no. Again, but yeah, you, well, you know, I disagree. With I do know premise. you disagree, and I, yeah. I love that you disagree, and that's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And I, by the way, happen to think it's our disagreements, mm-hmm. yours, mine, and our disagreements in general in the world, right. and our differences are important and part of what make us great as people and as a country. Right. I also think we can disagree in right. ways that are respectful, kind, compassionate. Right. 
Uh, so did you have trouble after a while well, being on Fox or well, was, I want to move oh, it no, forward. No, okay, I know, I know. You, but can I go back and say yeah, that sure. one of my political mentors, because you made me think about this, is, uh, is a woman named Jean Hardesty. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know her. Jean was a political scientist who pioneered the study of the right wing before the internet would actually go and infiltrate right wing meetings and conventions and conferences. Right. And she said that we have to separate the leaders from the followers, mm-hmm. that the leaders have a culpability, an intentionality, a malice, right? But that I don't, Think, yes, sure, of course, there are some people who watch Fox News who are intending to be mm-hmm. whipped up and hateful and furied and what, all of that. And there are people who just, for whatever host of reasons, mm-hmm. that's where they go. Right. And I don't want them to only get a diet of hate and lies and outrage and attacks mm-hmm. and misinformation. Mm-hmm. Which they point to saying that it's not misinformation, by the way. I mean, yeah. listen. Right. Yeah. So you stayed there for a while. One of the things, things, I get it, you were were friendly with Sean Hannity. He has a quote in your book and and Mm -hmm. things like that. How did your your constituency react to that? Or what what was your, how did you explain that? Um, I'll tell you, I never had to. Mm -hmm. Because? I... I don't. I, it, because I think. Look, I come from. This is about. This is also about sort of. Uh, again, just like the sort of center left isn't a monolith. The left isn't a monolith, right. and I come from a part of the left that has always been interested in engagement, right? Uh, constructive engagement, right? Uh, building constituencies for change. The idea that we have been divided, manipulated, and turned against each other in ways that are deliberate and unconstructive, and mm-hmm. that we can actually, we don't have to write whole communities off, but we can do something about that. Right. Um, Which and, is the point and so I And so, you know, I mean, again, maybe I don't, but like, I, you know, I would have people like Juan Williams say, like, how do you deal with, when I was on Fox, mm-hmm. how do you deal with the hate mail you get from the left? Mm-hmm. I said, I don't get it. Right. Right. And it's because no matter what, I stood true to my values. Look, I wasn't a spokesperson for anyone or any cause, spokesperson for me, but I stood right. for my values and I always made a point of standing firm in my beliefs and my truth. Um, and and so, you know, look, and, and same thing with Sean. I'll still have people, of course, who are like, what the hell? How can mm-hmm. you, whatever. Oh, can I say hell on this? Yes, you can say great. Fuck. fuck. Um, who will also come up and say, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Um, look, I don't think, I don't, I don't write people off, mm-hmm. right? One of the reasons I'm a progressive is because I believe in progress. That means I believe in change. I think most of the changes that need to happen in our world are at the level of policy and institutions and systems, and those changes happen also when people change. And I know people can change, and if I didn't think people could change, I wouldn't be doing this work. And so Sean is a vessel, and I'd rather him be kind to me than unkind to me because, frankly, I don't like unkindness, mm-hmm. right? Right. But that's not the point. The point well, isn't, except the point it, isn't it, Sean. The point is for people well, to understand that no one is just one thing. I don't know about that in this case. I, that, that, that's someone I would have a real problem engaging with. Now, look, this is someone who just interviewed Anthony Scaramucci. Right. Right? Right. Different. How? Oh, the level of bile and—, and But how do we draw—but you know what I mean? There is I mean, a line. Yes, of but course you can draw a line. But where you do you draw absolutely it? draw a line. Right? There are lines. And you also, can draw again, to—let's go back to—so in the book, I talked to an ex-white supremacist. Mm-hmm. Now, I've had a lot of people who've said even just talking to an ex-white supremacist mm-hmm. is a line too far for them. That's okay, right? Because they no, because like, suppose, but he, yeah. because of the things he did and the things he believed, mm-hmm. and I can't forgive and I can't whatever. First of all, I believe in forgiveness. I believe in redemption. Right, I do. Right, again, it's why I'm a progressive. That's the X part. I'm good. The right? X part. But also, what's the choice? Would we rather he, at the time 
in his heyday, he was the top white power mm-hmm. movement recruiter in North America. Would we rather him still be that? Of course not, but he's the ex. And I, I, right. let, let's get that. We're going to take a break really quickly. We're going to talk about this because I want to get to your book because that's that's the heart of your book is yeah. this idea that everybody is redeemable. I do not believe that. I believe we stay angry at certain people. Just And we can discuss that later. But when we get back, we're, after a word from our sponsors, we're going to be back in a minute. We're here with Sally Cohn, the author of The Opposite of Hate and other things. She does other things. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, stop laughing, Sally. I've got to read this promo. Sorry. Today's show is brought to you by TransferWise. Do you ever need to send money internationally? Sure, your bank or PayPal can get your money from A to B, but that transfer will cost you more than it should, a lot more. That's the old way of doing things. Let me tell you about the new, smarter, and cheaper way to send money internationally, TransferWise. TransferWise was founded by two friends, Tabit and Christo, who were frustrated by their bank's bad exchange rates and high fees. They wondered, what if we could bypass the banks entirely? So they built TransferWise. That was seven years ago. Today, more than two million people use TransferWise. People sending money home, businesses paying suppliers, freelancers getting paid, the list goes on. TransferWise's clever new technology gives you a great exchange rate and a low fee. So it'll put some extra money in your pocket for more important things. No one has ever said, it's important that my bank get some extra money. Test it out for free at transferwise.com slash podcast or download the app. Once again, that's transferwise.com slash podcast. It's the wise way to send money. Today's show is brought to you by HBO. Silicon Valley is back for another season and another pivot. This time, founder Richard Hendricks turns his sights on launching a decentralized internet. With so much focus on data tracking and privacy on the web, this latest turn of events feels eerily relevant. But this should come as no surprise. The comedy has made a name for itself with two real jokes about startup culture. It's the show's attention to detail that feeds the comedy. Every reference is on point, not to mention the fantastic Emmy award-winning cameos from people like me. I'm still waiting for that Emmy, but I really enjoyed being on it, including giving Gavin Belson advice on how to run Hooli. Get new episodes of Silicon Valley Sundays at 10 p.m. on HBO. We're back with Sally Cohn. She's the author of The Opposite of Hate. We're having a lively debate on whether Sean Hannity is redeemable. I think most people agree with me, except if you watch Fox News that he's not. Um, but um, no, they don't. They can, they can. You can have any opinion you want. But So you got into this Thank book, you. this idea that the opposite of hate. And give me the headlines from the book. I mean, I've read it. It's. I do not agree with most of it. That's okay. Thank <laughs> so, you. So, Thank you. Can we go back, though? You yeah. said something on the, on sure. the outro that I want to make sure I pick up right. on, which is I do think there's a difference between anger and hate. Okay, yeah. Right? Yeah, There's an important difference between anger and hate. Right. Right? As as an organizer, going back Mm -hmm. to sort of my training, my roots, anger is, it can be a very good thing, right? Very useful. I want people Mm -hmm. to look at the inequity and injustice, sort of yawning, you know, economic inequality and crumbling public schools and, uh, you know, injustices in in who and how we incarcerate people. And I want them to be angry. They should be righteously angry at those injustices, and even angry at the people who perpetuate them. Mm-hmm. And that's different from hate. That's different right. from demeaning and dehumanizing certain groups of people because of their ideas or their identity. Mm-hmm. All right. It's different. Okay. Uh, the issue is, though, is that many of these sides use that effectively. That's the, that's the absolute tool of, sure, of right. doing it. So it doesn't mean it's okay for me to do it. I mean, that, listen, this is, there's, there's two pieces to this, ultimately, mm-hmm. Kara. One is moral, mm-hmm. right? So one of the reasons I'm a progressive, one of the reasons I have the worldview and value, one of my core values is the idea 
that all people have equal dignity and humanity. Now, I say that, Mm -hmm. right? The question is, can I live it? And can I apply that even to people who deny my humanity? That doesn't mean complicity. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean capitulation. You get that. It doesn't mean— You get why people think it means complicity. to me, it doesn't. Right, okay. All right. So it doesn't. I mean, this is, uh, you know, someone— Maya Wiley the other day in a book event with me, who's a, a you know phenomenal uh, race and justice scholar, said that compassion isn't the same thing as affirmation. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. I can understand where someone's coming from. I can even you know just validate their existence. I can even just have sympathy, empathy for another human being mm-hmm. without endorsing, supporting, affirming what they stand for or what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Right? And it, literally, it's I look. I want compassion, humanity, equality, and justice for myself. It's not can't just be a one-way street. I see. Okay, so you one of the things that you talked about in this book is that you were trolled heavily online. I can't believe some of the stuff I read. I mean, I get you get it bad. It's okay. It's fine. I it's, get it pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. So is that, thank you. So you were saying after the you get it worse. Um, I mean, I don't want to brag. Uh, yeah, but yeah, so you I'm were talking bragging. about after the election, you felt hateful, like that. This is what yes. is the impetus that you felt anger and hate at the people who voted. Um, but which yeah, I felt that hate before, by the way. Yeah. I felt that that was part of the sort of reckoning that I had at Fox News of right. realizing that people weren't in total mm-hmm. the hateful monsters I imagine them to be. Right. Not that they still don't do hateful and support hateful right. things. Uh, and I felt that coming back. I sort of thought I'd I'd wrestled with that and really right. done some soul searching on that. But I but 2016 and the aftermath, I felt it again. Right. And so what did you want to do about it? Just get it out of your life or, or the idea? Well, first of all, I don't, again, goes back to, as I said, there are two pieces. So we talked about the moral piece. The other piece is the, and I, so like, Fundamentally, it feels in contradiction with my values and who mm-hmm. I want to be and how I want the world to be, to be hateful. Mm-hmm. And I know that hate is not the answer to hate. Cruelty is not the answer to cruelty. Injustice is not the answer to injustice. Mm-hmm. So there's that dimension sort of, right? There's also a practical piece to this. And I, I look at in the book at the neuroscience of it. We look at the sort of practical organizing strategy pieces of it as well. Mm-hmm. But the simple fact is if I want people to change, mm-hmm. and I, as I said, I believe people can. I believe the world can change. Doesn't mean it has, doesn't mean it always has, doesn't mean it always will, doesn't mean it, we don't do it stupidly, imperfectly, haltingly, hesitantly, right? But if I want it to change, if I want those people to not vote like that again, right? if I want those, those folks to not support Islamophobic policies and racist policing, and right, then I will tell you, in addition to the moral dimension, pragmatically speaking, hating them is right. counterproductive. Okay. It is also counterproductive. There is no one in the history of the world who said, hey, that other side over there, mm-hmm. the way they treat me like I'm a piece of shit mm-hmm. and they think I'm stupid and they hate me, I'm going to go give their ideas a listen. Right. Like, I'm going to go over there and that sounds, that sounds cool. Like, I want to be part of them. Sure. Right. What it actually does is it makes us dig in. Mm-hmm. And again, you're right. You're, you've captured the core. I do not believe anyone is irredeemable. Well, except for the except for the fact that, I, again, we want to get between hate and anger. When I look back on, say, the gay and lesbian movement, the people mm-hmm. who were most effective were the angriest, and one would call them hateful. They were not. They were the—it's a very, it's a very uh, hard to discern between them, but, uh, but uh, silence equals death, act up. I think had more effect than the others who compromised almost continually. Like the, okay, like, I don't think compromise, right? right? So you're looking for, I, I am proud still to be 
a radical. Right. So I'm not talking about a politics of concession or compromise right. or conciliation or mushy centrism. Right. God help me, no. Right. Right? But I am talking about, I think, listen, I think the gay and lesbian, bi and trans rights movement is a perfect example because even within those dynamics, even within those spectrums, we can mm-hmm. go name by name by name and example by example, right? But there were people who were angry and outraged about the harm and the death and the pain Mm -hmm. and the marginalization that was being inflicted Mm -hmm. on the queer community. And then you still have a choice, right? Are you going to attack everyone on the other side and label them all as intentionally hateful, malicious, homophobic bigots? And by the way, not Mm -hmm. just, we're not even just talking about the George Bushes of the world and the FDA heads and the, right? We're talking about people, people who are like, huh, I'm trying to decide Right. What I'm going to believe. Right. No one, like, and are we bringing them in? Are we bringing them into conversation? Are we bringing them in to open their minds? Or are we pushing them away and closing them off? Mm-hmm. I, I have to say, pushing them, I, I, it only worked. It seems to me that it worked because the, the, the movement got more radical. And got more no. I don't know. You know, uh, there, there, I just, there's a, yeah. it, she's using it in a different sense. Uh, uh, but Oprah's line, no is a complete sentence. Mm-hmm. You know, no worked a lot better than, well, let me let you understand me. And I get there was parts of it, you know, having Ellen come out, all these educational parts. And by the way, you know people and there's lots of, you know, reaching out and yeah. stuff. Is I find, especially in the more progressive areas, there's a lot more of that than the on the other side. But beating them back seemed to be the thing that worked. It's, if I look back on it, the real—and there was great beauty in doing all the, the, the stuff around the quilt, and there's great beauty yeah, in there artfulness. there was massive humanity. There was love. There was celebration. There was sex positivity. There was— Absolutely. Right? But, you know, what's coming back now is interesting is Angels in America. And if you mm-hmm. look at those last speeches, it's not about conciliation. It's about continue to stay angry. Continue. You know what I mean? Right. Continue right. to say—we're right. not like—we're—I'm right. uh, not disagreeing with you. Okay. Right. All right. So, not, well, go ahead. So, so, so well, yeah. I think we are because I think that conciliation with some of these people will only prom- they they don't but, but, switch. Of listen, I don't. I can sit. Right. So, let me give an example. Let's go right. back to Hannity right. for a second. Right. right? When uh, I was on Hannity's radio show once, and he said something to the effect of, uh, "We were talking about marriage equality at the time. It hadn't. Mm-hmm. It was not yet law. Uh, the law of the land. And uh, we were having whatever the debate was, and he said something about how." A family with a mother and father is a better family, a better environment for children. And I said something to the effect of, Sean, <laughs> are you sincerely suggesting that your family is superior to my family? Right. Now, in that moment, let's mm-hmm. think about that. In that moment, I could have said, Sean, you're a hateful bigot. Mm-hmm. I could have said, Sean, you're being a homophobic asshole. Mm-hmm. I could have said, you know, I can't write. I, mm-hmm. But I called him in instead of calling him out. And I, I said, are you really okay. saying that? So it's not saying, all right, well, if you disagree with me, all right, fine, let's meet in the middle somewhere. Right, no, right, I'm right. not letting go of mm-hmm. my deeply held convictions and, and beliefs. It's engaging in a way that I don't say, hey, you're canceling out my humanity. And so you know what I'm going to do? Right. I'm going to cancel out yours. Yeah. I'm, this is like goes back to kindergarten. So Two what wrongs happened? don't make a right. Right, right. What, what, what happened then with that? Uh, <laughs> He uh, he got opinion. caught off guard. Yeah, on the show, mm-hmm. and I sort of went. To, but uh, but you, you know, I'm not saying that. You know, you it's not personal. It. And I said, right. but Sean, it, it is personal. Right. You're talking about my family. Right. And he sort of kind of stumbled through it, and and then uh, we, the segment ended, and then he found me the next day, I think, uh, 
in makeup right. before a show. And he came out right up to me and he said, I, I had no idea and I'm sorry. Right. And I said, okay, first of all, how the hell could you not know I'm gay? Mm-hmm. Like, look at me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, I asked the whole makeup room. I was like, everyone, quick show of hands. Yeah, right. Did uh, everyone know I'm gay? And they all see, raised their hands. For me. And then know, we, and then we look, we talked about, what, what would I rather, would I rather Here's leave what them I there? Said. So you I want to leave them there? You know, I have had people, I've had this, had this happen to me. And okay. It wasn't Sean Hannity. But uh, I, I think, I think my answer was you cannot die soon enough. That's what I said. Yeah, okay, so guess what? I know. <laughs> but so we feel different. I don't want I know. I didn't want to change the person's we opinion. Feel I, about that. I thought their children will be will be redeemed in that way. Yeah, That's except the, they're gonna raise their kids too. Perhaps. And here's the thing. Perhaps. I've seen people change. People, absolutely. So let's talk so, about that concept. You. So in the so you have all these you you went reached out to a lot of people online because I think a lot of people feel that online oh, has can become a Please accessible. talk about Twitter. Twitter, yes. So talk to me about Twitter and what you think their responsibility <laughs> is. Um you know, I mean, actually, in all, honestly, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's cesspool and they're it, not controlling it. has it. become worse and worse and worse. I mm-hmm. remember Twitter. So mm-hmm. I got on in, I think, right around when I started all this, so 2009-ish. Um, and I remember it was a space to engage. Right. And it felt democratic and constructive. And I was sure. meeting people and I was having, you know, these conversations. And, and for me, who didn't kind of know anyone in the media, whatever, it was a space to access and engage people who were important and important voices, and it, it felt like a marketplace. Mm-hmm. And now it feels like, uh, you know, a sort of public spectacle mm-hmm. uh, of attacks and smears. And it's just, yeah. it's gone. It's well, there's gone. some good ways to get news on it, and there's yeah. some of it's funny. So, yeah. Oh, some it's is funny, still, but it's but, become a cesspool to But me. I will say, first of all, it's just so much, it, it feels like so much a minefield, mm-hmm. right? And... Even the news, sometimes it's actual important breaking substantive news, and I'm grateful for it. This happened, this person left. A lot of the quote-unquote news, the Mm -hmm. trending topics, Mm -hmm. is like gossip. It's like the National Enquirer, and it's pylons without fact, and Mm -hmm. it's attacks, and it's smears, and it's this, and it's that, and it's a complete lack of nuance. What do we do about that? Because you're talking about this idea, because this is how people are communicating. You know, I have to say, I think Twitter should be taking some responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they have seemed to have, because it helps their valuation. They seem to have no interest in dealing with bots and trolls in a mm-hmm. serious way because I think if they did, their numbers would go down and their valuation would go down. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I'm sorry. Um, and, I, and, and I get, listen, I get this as a sticky conversation when you have companies like Facebook and Twitter, which are private companies. Mm-hmm. So we can't hold them to the same standards as we hold public entities. Yeah. And yet they are playing. Well, they are public companies. Right. But I mean, as government entities, yeah. I mean. Yeah. But they're playing an increasingly important role in our democratic Mm-hmm. process and our discourse sure. and our civil society. So it's, I realize it's complicated. Um, I would like to see them address it. Uh, I think issues of anonymity should be addressed. It's what makes Twitter worse than some of the other platforms. Um, but I also think it is, ultimately, it's true. It's up to us. Mm-hmm. So we as people, I, I, you know, there are examples in the book of people who did incredibly kind and generous and used Twitter in ways mm-hmm. to break down barriers mm-hmm. and to spread comba- compassion. And certainly, when we talk about getting outside of our bubble and meeting people who are different than us, and right, that's also what we can do on social media. Mm-hmm. And that's incredible. Mm-hmm. But it has become uh, an incredibly reductivist, outrage-driven, uh, uh, sort of 
unhealthy, unconstructive anger, right, not right. constructive anger. Right. Uh, just sort of demonstrative, so performative anger. And I don't think it, that's healthy. The media is joking about it. The president is, uses it almost continually when he's not screaming at people on Fox News. It's just it, it just today, just with the Kanye and then the stuff around it, it was exhausting. It was yeah. not illuminating in any way. And it just um, it, but it's also highly addictive. Yes. Um, you so know, what do you imagine when you're trying to get of, to people to engage with each other? Because there's, there's either you either engage through hope or you engage through fear, right? right. Those are two ways, and they both work equally well. Actually, but. no, fear works better. Better, turns out. And, and and hate. Listen, hate. It, there are studies that we bond more through hate. Mm-hmm. So we will more readily bond with someone who we find we have things we dislike in common, right? Than things we. Like in common, so right? What, so it, what it's happens a, when we have this is the way we do national discourse? I've just been listening to the Andrew Jackson biography, which is fascinating. Mm. And they similar fight. So they did it in newspapers. They did yes. it in a very highly invective way, you know, high levels of anger and, right. you know, that their version of it. But it was a similar kind of thing. So it's, it's sort of an American way to do that. That's right. And I don't, you know, when anyone says like, oh, it's so much worse now than it well, ever was. Like, it's, I don't, it feels worse because it's, it's more pervasive, pervasive and we're and all quicker. implicated in it. And it's right. quicker and it's sort of surround sound of this. Right. But like, we have a deep history of hate in this country and incivility. And I mean, it's a, we are a country that right. was built on hate. Right. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's worse than it ever has been. I still think it's bad enough we have to do something about it. Mm-hmm. The flip side to the challenge that it is now more I- invasive and sort of... Uh, uh, surround sound nature of it is because we're all implicated in it Mm -hmm. is also that means we all have a part of the solution. So back in the days of, you know, the newspaper wars, regular folks just had to kind of sit there and watch. And, you know, you maybe bought this one or you didn't buy that one, but that was sort of the extent of our power. Now we actually make the media Mm -hmm. with our clicks and our reclicks and our tweets and our posts and our... So, yes, I think there are structural things that the companies need to do. I think the media needs to get its act together. So and give me stop a few prescriptions us. and then we'll get to our next section. But what, give me some prescriptions from your book and others is that, you know, besides reaching out, like what being nicer online, what, you know, what what is the prescriptions of what the companies should do, what people should do? Well, I mentioned the ones about Twitter. Right. Um, I also think... Meaning when you say they've got to do something, what do you mean they have to do something? What do they off, have to do? Be more aggressive in policing trolls and bots. Okay. Apply your, apply your standards, apply them more evenly and aggressively. Uh, across Facebook and uh, others. Across all platforms. I happen to think Twitter does it the worst. It's, it's, yeah. it's just the biggest problem on Twitter. Um, I think seriously address issues of anonymity. There are, there are studies, there's research that mm-hmm. anonymity festers uh, sort of negative, cruel, yeah, and, you contacted and some hateful of the behavior nicer, more. Yeah, and, and, well, and, and there's also, by the way, there's studies that, you know, when people are sort of given an assignment to, uh, you know, type a message on a computer to someone else, when we can see a video of the other person's eyes, we write kinder messages. Mm-hmm. By the way, there's also studies that when we're asked to leave a comment, mm-hmm. right, and this, this the uh, research is, you know, you have to leave a comment on a website, mm-hmm. and the first three comments that are visible are hateful or nasty or trolling comments, you are then more likely to right. say something hateful and nasty. So, yeah. again, so for me, and I get we into some of this. We took comments off Rico because I was sick of it. <sighs> Amen. I get into this in the book that I think, for instance, uh, media outlets need to get together. They need to, uh, there needs to be some kind of, I don't know if it's a bipartisan, I'm a little bit worried in the short term that we can actually do anything about this. Mm -hmm. But for instance, to acknowledge that there is a, a, uh, that not all information, not all news, not all reporting, not all writing, not all columns are the same. Mm -hmm. And do, we need to have media literacy so that people understand the difference between reporting and opinion. Mm -hmm. And also that when a piece from New York Times or the Wall Street Journal, for that matter, pops up on my Facebook feed, it should be treated differently. 
maybe there's a green check or there's something mm-hmm. that I know that's different well, tech, than something from Breitbart. Don't or, do that. Don't, I know they don't. They want to group source this stuff I know. or crowdsource it. But what I will go back to is, and this is my part of what I hope to do with the book is, again, we go back to that point about if you see nasty comments, you're more likely mm-hmm. to lead, leave mean comments. That means that we are, we are role models for others in the way we behave Yes, online. but if the systems are designed that way, then you, you behave that bucket. way. You can, yes, that's you, right. It's hard to bucket. It is hard to bucket. It's hard to bucket. And you still can. I'm not, I'm not giving, letting regular people out of it, but Correct. It, it, I, it, they are designed to addict and anger and, Correct. and irritate. Correct. So, and, and so we have to, we the people have to hold the systems so accountable what, and demand do, that they change and also behave do? differently. And again, then we'll take a break. Sorry, a break. So what do individuals, so that's what companies have to do. What do individuals have to do? Just get off of this stuff or what? Um, I have to tell you, I'm pretty close. Right. Um, myself. Uh, if you're not going to get off, look, here's the thing. You can respond when there's hate, when you encounter hate online. Mm-hmm. We tend to have a they started at philosophy of hate mm-hmm. in general. Right? They workplace, private, do. whatever. Right. <laughs> Fine. Maybe they do. I'm not going to. Oh, they do. But just so you know, okay, I, do. I don't okay. think everyone's equal in this, right? No, I'm pretty bad. So, like, yeah, I but I don't, fight. you probably don't, I don't know if you start. Oh, the point I do. is, someone, someone, you, whatever, it doesn't matter. The point is, do you continue it? So, when you encounter hate I online, do. I know you do. <laughs> and you know what, honey, listen, it's you mostly go, funny. You they're go do you. Funny. You yeah. do you. No, that's funny. I'm never mean. It's funny. It's funny, mean. You have a choice. To me, you have three choices. One is to just not engage. Right. right? Do, first, do no harm. That's mm-hmm. fine. Protect your own sanity and security. Second is to engage hate with hate, to feed hate with hate. More hate leads to more hate, leads to more hate, leads to more hate. That's what I have a problem with. Right. And the third is to respond with compassion or kindness or humor or curiosity or generosity. So I do think, yes, at the end of the day, we the people need to push for the changes structurally and in terms of our leaders. It's the same thing with negative ads in politics. Mm-hmm. Over and over again in polls, we say we don't like Negative ads in politics. And then we vote for the people who run the negative ads. Yep. So, yeah, they need to change. We need to change. All right. Okay. We're going to get back. With, we're here talking with Sally Cohen. Have a very lively discussion. We're going to run a tiny bit, Sally. So you're going to have to stay here because we're going to do this last section. You got this. Uh, with a word from our sponsors. We'll be back. She's the author of The Opposite of Hate after this. Today's show is brought to you by Freshly. Meal kits are so last year. Freshly is the new way to get dinner on the table in no time. Their chefs send you delicious, freshly prepared meals so you can eat better without any of the work. No cooking or cleanup required. Their meals are delivered to your door fresh and ready when you are. Just heat them up when you're hungry. Freshly chefs and nutritionists make sure that every meal is all natural, nutritious, and also made with high-quality ingredients. So now you can come home late and still have a delicious chef-cooked meal waiting for you. Just choose from their rotating menu of 30 options. I would tell you my favorite meal, but when it was sent to my house, my sons ate everything and I did not get a bite. So I'm waiting for another box from Freshly soon. Try Freshly and you'll see what it's like to put zero effort into making dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash decode. Get $25 off your first order of six meals. That's $25 off plus free shipping at Freshly.com slash decode. I'd also like to tell you about my other podcast, Too Embarrassed to Ask. Every week, we answer your questions about consumer tech and the week's news. This week, I talked to Recode's Ed Lee about the pending merger of Time Warner and AT&T and all kinds of other media matters. Ed, what is the favorite thing we talked about? What's the favorite thing we talked about? What is your favorite? Rupert Murdoch. Murdoch, yeah? (laughs) Yeah, Murdoch and 
Les Moonves and Sherry Redstone, all the all the media moguls. And whether this merger was going through, which you think it is. Where this merger is going to go through, which I think it's. I think they're going to do it. I think you'll see AT and T own Time Warner. All right then. How exciting for Richard Plepler. It was a great discussion, and we hope you go listen to it. You can find Too Embarrassed to Ask on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Too Embarrassed to Ask. See you there. We're here with Sally Cohn, who is the author of The Opposite of Hate. She's also a. Are you calling yourself a pundit? I mean, it's a um, weird word, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but I you're mean, on CNN now. You're it is CNN. technically the uh, apropos term. You're on CNN now, Yes, right? it's true. You, you appear on CNN. I do. Um, so uh, let's talk about the controversy around Sally Cohn uh, about this book. Um, I yes. am good friends with the person you're a minute or so, and I don't know um, the other woman. Ijeoma Aluo. Yeah, yes, who has who had the issue on Facebook. She, they were, you, were, you were juxtaposing them, uh, two women of color. Um, I want to hear from you what you think happened, and then I will give you my thought. I'll push back where I feel like I should. So tell me your—I know you've talked about this a million times with people, and I've watched a lot of it. uh, I'm—I will continue to talk about it. Okay. All right. So let's go. Uh, I think that this is an important conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we could get into the details. I I really don't want to relitigate— What's happened? Essentially, what sort of, but Amina says you did not. She did not say what she said. You did not check with her, right? Uh, Etc. And then uh, um, Ijiyama. Ijiyama said that uh, she, uh, you were mischaracterizing her and yes. put, putting so them against each other. To me, those other. are right. So look, she went facts online. Are, facts and did are right. Some so I know facts are facts are facts. I just want to be clear that uh, I had consent to quote Amina. She said the quote. I took notes visibly and contemporaneously while she was talking. I have since produced those notes. Mm-hmm. People are going to believe what they want to believe, but those this are the, was in those a are car. The, those are the facts. Now, what is so you, yes, put up, you put them up on those, Google Notes? Do those you have are, a, you put them on those your phone because I, you know, I'm just curious. I'm well, just I mean, wondering. I'm, I'm a reporter. I, I know. About. I know. But it, it's <laughs> here's the thing. It's very in my worldview, my principles, and who mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. I don't like being in a position where to defend myself, right. I have to, in any way, shape, or form, come close to showing notes. Atta- no, no, oh. not. Even, oh, sorry, I mean, I'm that sorry. Was, that's I, where you're going. I, I no, no, uh, attacking someone else or their insistence. Mm-hmm. Right. Listen, I respect Amina. I respect her voice. I respect her memory of the situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's that. I took notes well, on my phone. Is- I pasted them into my into my, you know, Scrivener and the book writing program, and I mm-hmm. pasted them back into my statement. Now, what is also true mm-hmm. is that as a white woman, I did not look at that quote mm-hmm. in the context in which I was using it or in general mm-hmm. and see the ways in which mm-hmm. it perpetuated stereotypes and could expose her to vulnerability. Right. That is, that is also true. Mm-hmm. And for that reason... Not just because of the right. circumstances in right. which it was, but period. Right. The point. I wish I had. Privilege. I wish I had gone back and reconfirmed that she was okay with me using that quote. Mm-hmm. I wish I had. I've apologized, mm-hmm. but I haven't. Right. And in general, I you know again, I the point of my bias, my blind spots, my privilege, my not seeing. Mm-hmm. The ways in which I was pitting their ideas and thus them mm-hmm. against each other in my book. Right. I also regret. And I am sorry. Right. And all I can do 
can't go back. Can't go back and do it over. No, all I can. No, no, no. That's not regret. Actually, wait a second. Hang on. That's not true. Look, there's a difference. I know there's a difference. That was not my intent. But intent and impact are very different things. Sure. And that was the impact that was felt. Sure. And all I can do going forward is try to learn and. I got that. I got that. Let me just unpack that just a tiny bit because what was interesting is I'd love to get to why that happened too because I think you do have you do have a responsibility to do that because you're in this book you're talking about that how we get to where we get in an ugly discussion right that's what the book is about is how we how we get ourselves into these situations and you're in an ugly discussion right presumably I don't no, well can I can and how I, do we okay. get out of it let me just finish oh go ahead sorry 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 so go ahead. I think it's fascinating this encounter this 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 situation with Amina and uh, is really very similar to a lot of things you're talking about, how we miscommunicate or we don't hear each other or we don't look at each other in the correct way, clearly, right? I mean, I think that's pretty sure. clear. Okay. Um, when I when I read that quote, and I know her very well, I was like, she would never say that. I've had m- a million discussions on this topic. And so I thought, did so I was trying to figure out, like, she absolutely wouldn't have said that. Like, it seemed so wrong that she would say something like that. And you have said she said this in the car, correct? Um, so I was like, that's, she'd never, ever say that. And as someone who has talked to her dozens of times on this issue. So I wondered what, then I was like, well, what happened then? Did, did Sally mishear it? Did she not take the correct notes? You know, as a reporter, I know that issue. Like, people don't think they got quoted correctly. I've I've had that happen to me not too many times in my career, but many times. Even if you produce an audio thing, people say they didn't say it. You know what I mean? You get into those things. And so what I want to get to is, because the same thing is happening online that we just talked about, is we do not hear each other in some fashion, or we misunderstand each other, or, and I don't think this is the case, is a willful not hearing, a willful ignorance of what's happening. And so I just want to get from your perspective, what do you think as you're looking back on it happened here? Do you think you misquoted her or didn't hear her correctly? Or you think you absolutely did? You're sticking with that. Kara, what I do not like Mm -hmm. having to do Mm -hmm. is to defend my integrity. Okay. And uh, intentions Mm -hmm. and goals and values. Right. To have to, in any way, shape, or form... uh, Attack someone else. I don't. I won't. So I it's won't not do. Attack. I'm asking about no, no, you. But I, I think about I won't it do as this. A I'm tell, I've already. But I've already. No, I've already, no I get it. I've told I get you. It. But as a reporter, I, I have consent. had this happen no. to me, and sometimes I go, I did not get that quote right, and I didn't. I'm just saying you have to I, do but that I've already, when you're a journalist. I know, but I've already answered you that I that I okay. did, and that I wish I'd reconfirmed the quote, and the wish quote. I'd, I wish I'd reconfirmed that she was okay with me using it. Okay. So, and I want to also make clear Wh- that privately, right. The minute I found out she was upset mm-hmm. about the quote, about the context, about mm-hmm. the way it was used, what, right, that I have done what I could right. to apologize and to fix it. Okay. So, again, look, all I can do, like, it, listen, it sucks. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes learning lessons and it right. sucks no, to learn them in public. And right. trust me, part of what I what I want to stand for is that we have to be able to have these conversations right. because this is the only way any of us get better and learn. Right. And so we have to be able to challenge each other. Right. And we have to be able to try to listen mm-hmm. and engage even when it's hard, even when we don't want to. Right. And not get. So that again, that for me is the piece going forward. I hope this can be I would like this to be a constructive mm-hmm. and kind mm-hmm. engagement. Mm hmm. Um, and I, for my part, will continue to try to uphold that and will continue to try to 
apologize and, and do better. Right. Okay. So, uh, again, I'm going to get back to—I I understand that. I know. I know you've been talking about this a lot. I get that, and you look frustrated with it. But my I, question is, it's, it is at the heart of your book, is these miscommunications online that I think are at the heart of these—of of all these places, because a lot of this is playing out online, this is going on. And I think one of the issues is how we hear each other— not you necessarily has gotten super sloppy, how we hear each other, how we engage with each other, because these mediums create that situation in that people are not as careful, one, hearing each other correctly, or they hear what they want to hear, thinking about the impact, because these things have bigger impact than you mm-hmm. and I. I do, I do understand how big impact they have and how when you put someone into—when you say something and it's linked to them, it has—it— it, it, um, social media becomes weaponized and it becomes amplified in a way that never happened before. Kara, can I just say, I do understand. And that's why, (laughs) that's why, again, privately for weeks, Mm -hmm. when Amina came to me with her concerns, I showed her the quote because I thought it was an important quote. Sure. That in the context it was being used was challenging me on the whole premise of my book and my privilege in asserting these points. Right. That's why I thought it was such an important book, mm-hmm. or such an important quote. Mm-hmm. When she raised her concerns, I apologized, took her name under, understanding the mm-hmm. impact and that she did not want that quote out there, took it right. out of the digital editions, future right. print editions, took her name right. out. Um, made a public apology that she asked to make mm-hmm. or else she said she would go public. I did not Obviously, there are other reasons I didn't want to go public, right? But also, right. also, she didn't want the quote public. Mm-hmm. But it I was didn't already, want, right? It was already in well, the Well, but now it's, no, but come, I mean, we took it out of the digital edition. It wasn't searchable. So it's now right. very public. And now mm-hmm. everyone knows about it, and, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I have to tell you, so part of the reason I don't, I don't want to, like, look, we can rehash and relitigate what mm-hmm. happened in the car mm-hmm. and the nature of the quote, whatever. But what I am sure of mm-hmm. is that I Printed words that mm-hmm. hurt someone, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Right, right. So I don't want to keep hurting someone. Right. By rehashing, relitigating. I I'm. Got it. I got it. Sorry. I got that. I understand that. But so, but I think, no. But if you'd like to tell me what else you think no, I should I, do, I, what I think you should do is probably have a public, as I wanted to have a public session with her to understand what she really, th- I'd lo- I do know what she really thinks about this, but I want her to speak on her own on, on what, on this issue of the book itself, not, not her particular quote about online. There's all kinds of things because as a person of color, uh, she has a different experience online and that's almost impossible to understand from where we sit. Of course. Like we can try as hard as we can. And so that's one thing I would love to hear is is what she thinks about this topic, not this because she's quite she's she's quite a lot to say about this and it's very very uh, very interesting and innovative ideas about it. Secondly, I think getting these kind of learnings are helpful because what we do is we every different group bumbles through life not understanding the experiences of other people. And I think that is probably the greatest thing here is that you don't understand your impact. You don't understand what other people's experiences are. And what I do think um, at the heart of what um, 
in this is that we do not understand the experience of other people very well anymore, or or are we able to do it? So I don't know how we get to that. And that's really at the heart of your book, right, is we don't understand the experience of other people. I think that's right. That goes back, if I, if I can, that goes back to the conversation we were having previously about then how do we engage mm-hmm. with people in those moments? And right. let's, I'd, I'd rather talk about this, uh, just sort of right. broad principles, which is I don't want to sit there and say, I write you off. Mm-hmm. I write, I, I want to. Right engage and invite. I don't want to call people out. I don't want to call them in. Right. I want to, I want to assume that people are not, as Brian Stevenson says, people are not the worst thing mm-hmm. they've ever done. I also don't think they're the worst thing they've ever said or the worst mm-hmm. thing they've ever thought. Mm-hmm. And I want to give people the opportunity. Now, that's a choice. That is a choice. That is a choice based on my own sense mm-hmm. of sanity and security that I am able to make. Mm-hmm. By the way, it's why I wanted to, well, it's one of the reasons I try to take on this work because I right. don't think it should be the burden of people of color to always be talking to white folks about racism and or, or, right, or, so, or yes. being forgiving or right. you no, know you no, can say I, this listen hey whatever. i can keep apologizing you know no, is, no. amina is gonna it, no no no. i have no right to demand or right. expect an apology i mean uh, uh forgive forgiveness right correct right. that is correct um and uh i am going to try to for me mm-hmm. right when when these moments happen and i'm whichever side i'm to handle them with kindness compassion and grace that give people the opportunity to grow and change because that's what I that's I think the only way we get better I, okay. I don't so tell me what then what you have grown and changed what are, what, are, what have you realized through the experience look it's very clear that I was not thinking about the context of the quote and the two and the the two sort of frames that I'd used and their words and how they were then hit it against each other. Mm-hmm. That is because they didn't agree. That that's a, that they that, had a right, disagreement, right. and so that's that is that you know. Listen, like this is. I'm, I'll be honest. Just what, uh, what I don't even, I'm losing track of what day it is. It's been two weeks, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So there is no question mm-hmm. that I still have learning and growing to do. Mm-hmm. By the way, mm-hmm. I already have learning yeah, and growing to do. It's not like I started out two weeks yeah. ago. Perfect. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. I have a lot of right blind spots and imperfections and work to do on myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to keep accepting that's mm-hmm. who I am and trying to do better. And I will continue even when they're painful. Mm-hmm. All right. I to welcome, up. But to welcome the opportunities to keep learning. It's the only way I'm so, going to get better. So I, I, do, I think at the heart of this is, is the white privilege idea. And I do think that is a very good point in terms of using people's words to set them to to make a point that is not the point they were making you know what i mean not even understanding what their point was and to uh, i think that to me was the most resonant part of this away from all the details of the quotes and things like that it's this that 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 you have to create all media has to create this juxtaposition that happens and i think that i think social media reduces things to one black and white so clearly kind mm-hmm. of thing and i think you did that in that instance and that that comparison, I think it happens all the time. There's no middle ground to anything. There's no nuance in conversation. No, and sometimes I've been the one yeah. pointing it out, and then sometimes I'm the one doing right. it. Right. So what, okay, do, you do, what uh, do you do as a person, just you, how to change that idea of getting out of the idea of very—listen, uh, I've done it a million times, this idea—I I, I, I have— um, I would call it sloppy analysis because we've gotten so sloppy about how we that, that our arguments are nuanced. So how do you get out of that uh, that very important concept of not 
making everybody straw man, not making everybody to make a larger point. What what do you have? Is, is it possible in this medium? Because your book is about this medium and its impact and how you get out of it. Is it actually possible to do that? Well, I'm not sh- Well, look, I'm sure not. Don't think it. Not, I'm not deeply convinced it can happen on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to lose Reductive. nuance, not gain nuance right. on social media. Uh, I think that's increasingly true. Me, but the, but the fact is, it should be able to happen in books. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that I failed in that regard mm-hmm. is on me. Um, and again, look, you know, one. Of, I mean, look, one of the things I've tried mm-hmm. to be fairly upfront about throughout my career, including when I was on Fox News mm-hmm. and on CNN, is mm-hmm. to talk about implicit bias, implicit bias in general, mm-hmm. and implicit racial bias in particular, in ways that are not about finger pointing mm-hmm. and telling people you need to learn, you know, but are in ways that are about copying to my bias. That, mm-hmm. in fact, when I'm talking about it, I'm not just talking in abstracts, I'm talking about me. And I recognize that unlearning that, undoing it, countering it, checking it, catching it, fixing it, is going to be, it is a, is it may be a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you ever, I, I don't, I hope to. Right. right, but I'm, right. I'm. I have no doubt. I will continue to make missteps and mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I know intention isn't the only thing that matters. Sure. impact matters. Yeah, I don't. Um, think, unfortunately, people focus it, on intentions it, when impact is correct. Matters. Correct. I mm-hmm. even. Yeah, I've, I've written about this as well. Uh, and again, wish I'd done it differently. Mm-hmm. Deeply sorry. Continue to be sorry. Try to learn and do better. All right, on that, I'm going to switch you to something else very quickly, and we're going to finish up. Joy Reid, you just you just did a really interesting tweet about it, which I thought, you know, supporting her. She's caught in her own thing. Um, you are very supportive of her. If you work with her, I know her. I think she's terrific. Um, mm-hmm. What? That's another thing. It just seems to have taken over, and there's issues. She's contending that it was not stuff she had written, although she had written some stuff before about gay and lesbians and marriage. I think specifically it was marriage-related. Um, something like that, when you see that happening, is that going to be our future like when you're because it seems like it's a never-ending thing it's you know what I mean as you're as you're pushing against this idea of I'm not saying you're doing can't we all get along but let's try to get along you have all these forces that are just you know there's another example of something exploding right having a life of its own who knows what the real truth is and I mean to be clear I've been on the other side of this too for quite a while right right? so in other words I'm not uh uh you, you know twitchy right no Oh, What's oh my gosh, wait, everyone, I get to teach Kara Swisher something about the internet? <laughs> All right, go ahead. Okay, I so might Twitchy okay. is the website that Michelle Malkin started oh. to mobilize oh, the yeah. right-wing, twi- no. to mobilize right-wing Twitter, yeah. I don't like the word She's Twitter mob, but like Twitter. right-wing Twitter, I need a different word than, you know, mm-hmm. uh, swarms, Twitter swarms, swarms. Yeah. swarms. Yeah. Uh, and so, so it's like a you know, thing. I've had some days where Milo. I get like Twitchied three times a day. Right. And you I notice because there's like an uptick yes. in, right? I got I can once. sneeze on the internet yeah. and they write a twitchy post about it. Right. Um, so I had, I was not a stranger to that, but it's, it, in general, right, this sort of, the it does swarm. feel like this, the phenomenon is heightening and the consequences are heightening. Right. Um, where it, it, it's, they seem to have, they're more lasting and more durable. And, and, and again, like, I, listen, first of all, Joy's a friend. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk 
to joy. Mm-hmm. I'm not going right. to go after people online in right. general because, again, right. it lacks so much nuance. And there right. is so much of this sort of swarm. And uh, I think it is—I it is, I do worry it's getting worse, too. Mm-hmm. And that in sort of in general that we are in this kind of perpetual cycle of outrage mm-hmm. um, that is not constructive. Right. So I need you to— summarize what you think, Junie, because your book is about that oh, we sorry. can get out of it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> And you're right in it. <laughs> um, well, I think you respond with kindness. I mean, I do. I actually, listen, I don't, I, uh, you want to talk specifically about joy? I mean, I, just, in, I'm just saying, it's just another example because I just noticed you tweeted yeah, about it. No, no, no. It. Well, yeah. it, be, it's because I have also realized, a lot I've also realized, hate, okay, well, I well, I'll yeah. tell you this. I've also realized that the incentives, it seems, to attack online are greater than the incentives to defend. Right. That people feel that there seems to be less social cost or social risk yep. to joining the attack. Right. And more risk. That's what I was looking at. I was fascinated and, and that you so did that. I was I like, oh, say, Sally, don't get in this one. Uh, I see your point, right Carol. Well, your... I'll tell you what I've learned yeah. okay. somewhat recently is yeah. I will take the risk to, I, I listen, part of living your values, right. part of me living my values mm-hmm. and standing up for what I think is right is you means you do it even when there are costs. Yeah. And so, so I what believe did you think enjoy, just before I believe you she, sent that tweet. She though. addressed this. I she, want to know what you thought just before you, you thought about that one, I'm <sighs> guessing. You didn't just sit there, ah, I'm joy. No, 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 no. In fact, I think in general, trying less reactive yeah. tweeting is uh, better. I thought this is someone, I, here's what I thought. I thought this is someone I care about mm-hmm. going through this. And I, apart from the fact that I believe all people to be inherently mm-hmm. good people, I know She's a good person. She, this came up before, she apologized. I also believe in forgiveness and change. And I thought, I want to support her. Right. I want to support her. I right. want to be. And you I would want to her past things, which are I, actually true. She, yeah. Things she did say. I want to be the kind of person that is supportive in those moments. When people are making changes. Yeah. I mean, right. but, you know, look, <laughs> why don't I give you more fodder? Uh, when okay. Laura Ingram. Yeah. Apologized for going after uh, Parkland, Parkland kid. kid, David, David. Yeah, yeah. Um, I went when I saw what she'd done. I tweeted about it. Yeah, this was weeks ago. Obviously, mm-hmm. I tweeted about it. And when I saw she apologized, I said, "I'm not saying he has to apologize or forgive. I'm not anyone. Yeah. I, me, right? I thought, good. Mm-hmm. Again, what's the choice? Would we rather her dig in and not apologize or apologize? Now, was it a perfect apology? Was it whatever? Was it motivated by losing ads? Mm-hmm. Was it whatever? But like. I'd still rather apologize than not right. apologize. Yeah. And I'm a little old-fashioned that when yeah. people apologize, yeah. I, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, I see. But, you know, because I want to give them the space to change. What was the reaction otherwise, to that? Otherwise, she, right, like, I just want to be the person who helps her dig in her heels. Right. And just then say, oh, well, Fair screw point. them. I'm just going to do more mean things and more hateful things. Right. No. I don't want— at least, Well, you could make an argument is— the more price she pays, maybe she'll change. Like that's how you get. Never her seen that work. Not not in terms of not in terms of hate and retrenchment and digging in. Right. Right. And I will say this: this is my big takeaway. So mm-hmm. you asked sort of what can people do? I, Kara, I'm gonna tell you, people should do them. I'm doing me. Right. This is a I book get it, about. But you wrote a book. No, I know, but it's but it's well. There's no there's no expectation or demand. This is my, no, about yes, my journey, journey and what okay. I think is right. okay. is. Healthy and hopeful. I right. don't know. All right. Uh, and Last helpful, thing I'm which li- is, well, I was going to say, which is, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. Your show. No, go ahead. No, your, go ahead with Laura Ingram. You save Laura Ingram. No, no, no. I was going to say my big takeaway that when you ask what I think about is I think about, all right, if we have this, they started at philosophy of hate. Right. 
Oh, I. Then what I'm going to do biblical on me here is I'm not going to be the excuse mm-hmm. for anyone to be their worst self. All right. I'm going to try to not be the excuse for anyone yeah. to be their worst self. I'm going to try, try to be the inspiration for others to be their best selves. Right. All and right. I'm going to do that online and off. All as right. best as I can. All right. Okay. All right. That's your that's your goal. So let me finish. On, on and something. you can counter me at every. I'm going to counter because I'm going to kill. <laughs> <laughs> I am a little less forgiving than you are, and I feel like it works for me. But that's okay. That's good. I get your point. You, do, you yeah. don't want to live in hate, but I do want to live in anger a little bit more than than I think we do. It has a useful a useful and uh, and there is a fine line. Yes. There's a definitely fine line. That's a whole that's a whole premise of Batman. Um, <laughs> so if you think about it, um, so. Last thing I want you to talk about, I know you've got to go, is this ABC thing uh, that you have in the book. Because you do have oh, prescriptions. I do. Of, so tools. Explain that, tools. explain that tool for me. So what— This we, is going home for Thanksgiving yeah. instead of putting on Adele. <laughs> you want to know what's funny is like 80% of the questions I get from liberal, liberals are like, so what do I do about my conservative uncle? It's always, <laughs> it's always an uncle. Yeah. Um, and what we know from neuroscience is when we're trying to persuade someone, you're trying mm-hmm. to have the kind of conversation that leads to change. If people perceive an argument— Mm-hmm. They feel like their views are being attacked. Then the frontal lobe, the part, the persuasion, rational thought parts of the brain shut down. And the lizard brain, the fight or flight, turns on. Mm-hmm. And you pick a side. And I'm going to pick my side. You're going to pick your side. That's why we were arguing in the first place. And then we're done. There's no conversation happening. There's no change. There's no thinking. There's no, uh, you know, understanding is happening. So this, this mnemonic, this tool, ABC, uh, which comes from Matt Kohut, John Neffinger and Seth Pendleton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Matt and John wrote a really important book called Compelling People About This Philosophy and More. Uh, the idea, the A is not argue, it's affirm. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't, by the way, mean agree. Mm-hmm. Right? But look, most of us, our political views you. and our Just ideas like Trump are not thing. even, it's, it, doesn't, it can be even more meaningful than that, which is most of our political views, we didn't like sit and read, right. you know, all the briefing books to decide what we think about issue A and issue B. We have feelings. Right. I feel this. I feel that. We can argue until the cows come home about whether people's feelings are invalid. Right. Mm-hmm. So example, uh, that people fear terrorism. Well, we could talk about how since 9-11, most mass violent attacks, three quarters were committed by white right extremists. Mm-hmm. But the media covers acts from violent acts from Muslim extremists four times more. And we could say, that's an irrational fear and you shouldn't right. be worried about, right? right? But there they are, they feel it. Right. And feelings are not like facts. Feelings are valid because they mm-hmm. are felt. Mm-hmm. And if I argue with your feelings, mm-hmm. it's like I'm invalidating you right. and what you believe. Right. So what you do when you affirm is you say, I, you find something you can actually authentically affirm. Mm-hmm. I worry about that too. I mm-hmm. worry about my kids being able to get a job. I worry about this. I worry about safety. Yeah. I worry, right? right? Affirm. Okay. The B is not but. Do you know what my A is? Uh-oh. Oh, attack. But go uh, ahead. I <laughs> and I love you. Like You're you an idiot, you. mom. Starts <laughs> and ends. Okay. And ends, right? So, I mean, listen, this isn't for everyone. Okay, all right. But a, you try, a, you know yours what? is okay, firm, so a, mine is attack. Okay. Go ahead. B is not but. Yeah. But I've learned from couples counseling means that everything before the but you didn't mean. So if I say I'm sorry, but it means I'm not at all sorry. Right. It's so it's not but. You can't say, however, which is like the Harvard of buts, no fancy right. buts. Right. You say something like and or that's why or the thing is or it's just so a bridge. So B is but but not B but. is bridge. Bridge. B is okay. bridge. Bridge. Okay. So affirm bridge. C bridge. is then. So bridge means you find a common Find breath. a way to go to. No, just. Oh, it's literally interstitial Shift. language to get you from your A to your C. Right. That C. isn't a but. Yeah. Because okay. what we tend to do is say. I, you know, I, I'm also worried about that, but. Right. 
which means right. That's that's an old I'm thing not from improv. That. That's Correct. Thing from improv. Yes, right. Yeah. So, so and then the C is the actual the content or convince say, what you wanted to. So B what you came is to say. bridge. Mine bridge. would be belittle. Um, you obviously can't read uh, something like that. Something nice along those lines. <laughs> and, then, and your C would be. Uh, um, I gotta think. Cut them. Your, your, cut them. Cut Yours them. would be cut, cut them. Out, I'm gonna go cut out. Cut her out, out of the out. house. Yeah, I yeah, have yeah. actually thrown my mother out of the house when she drives <sighs> me crazy. You want to send her over to me? We're Italians. No. Mm-mm. She came around. She, oh. Oh know, wait. My, wait a second. After she, all this, because she I because atta- I attacked, belittled, and cut. <laughs> That's why. See, I have a policy. You know I could have run. Uh, you me should write Nikki a book Haley. called The Opposite of Sally. Opposite Just write that book. You know, it was a lot about coming out. It was like I don't negotiate with terrorists. I don't give eat. Anything. I do not negotiate with terrorists, and that's how I looked on it. I did it with an uncle who was very anti-gay, and I said uh, he was—same thing. He was—I was like, you know what? All we have to do is wait for you to die because that's how it's going to—you're not going to change. Like, I gave up on him. And? He's still alive. He's still alive, but he didn't change. He has a little bit because I didn't back down. It was interesting. I I, I feel like it was because of that. You didn't back down, but like every time you saw him, did you like attack and belittle him? On that You're, issue, absolutely. Absolutely. And on everything else, too? No, no, just that particular oh, So, like, otherwise was, you could be, like, nice to him and talk about movies and— Oh, yeah, I don't care about his opinions about well, right. movies. But right. So you found other ways to—you didn't just— um, No, but on that issue, I was absolutely adamant that I wasn't going to yeah, well, that's But, again, you, see, let's not mince— Right. Again, it goes back to this isn't right. about concession. This isn't about conciliation. This isn't about— right. Right. Capitulation, right, or even right. compromise, right, right. It's about can I express my deeply held firm right. beliefs and views right. in ways that do not attack, undermine, or even evaporate your humanity. Hmm. Not humanity, but your opinion. Yes, I, your, we're, yeah. we're, 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 we're going to be arguing to the end of we're time. Gonna, it's fine. I, listen, <laughs> I, that's okay as long as you don't personally attack me. No, we're I'm good. not. See, no, there I'm you not, go. See, I'm not personally attacking you, right, but fine. you're absolutely wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you couldn't be more wrong. But you didn't say like you're absolutely wrong. Nice. You blank, 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 blank. History is littered with people who agree. I like people who don't. No, I'm kidding. No, you know I try to agree, but I don't. Thanks I also can the, get a lot of, I think I know. pushing back with people is a very good quality. Thanks so for the great So it'll be interesting, but it does become weaponized in this thing, and I think we're in for some trouble going forward. If these, I think especially it's going to get worse before it gets better. A hundred percent, because humanity always, never surprises me. And uh, so, and yet I am, optimist. I am constantly surprised. I'm an optimistic Here pessimist, and I think you're, a, you're an optimistic optimist. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, maybe I need to rethink that. No, maybe no. <laughs> Poor Sally. You'll no, it's fine. okay. Somebody's... What's your next book, Sally? Uh, <laughs> Don't quote me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That What's was... your next book? Seriously. What's I, your... I, I, um... Are you ever writing a book again? I don't know. Yeah. What are you, what are you doing now? Just uh, CNN and activism? Uh, I, uh, you know, I, I put a lot into this book. Yeah. So I'm going to hopefully, you know, hope that finds its audience and it makes a difference that it does some good for people that, yeah uh, uh some you know a lot of really warm responses and mm-hmm. reactions from people who are struggling with these issues in their workplace in their towns in their mm-hmm. families uh who want to who listen who who see the conversations we're having right in this country about bias and privilege and mm-hmm. they want to f- figure out a way to do better yeah and be invited to do better. Yeah. So Here's what I like. People's eyes opening and thinking harder. Just I, like with Starbucks, with your thing, with everybody. Just wait a second. Let's keep think hard. trying to, yeah. you know, but that means I also have to keep, you know, yep. help others learn, keep learning myself. Yes, indeed, Sally. It's all the way. It's all the way to the end. That's what you have to do. 
Thanks, Kara. Thank you for putting up with me. I really appreciate yeah, it. And the book is the, and we'll debate into the future, I'm sure. Uh, the book is The Opposite of Hate. It's by Sally Cohen. You can see her also on CNN and other places. And you're on a book tour, right? You're going. I am. Cool. All right. She's appearing tonight, which you can't see at the Commonwealth Club in San Francisco. And I hope you enjoy that. The San Francisco. I'm very excited. It's going to be a great audience for you. It was great talking to you. Thanks for coming on the show. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, or just visit recode.net slash podcast for more. And if you have a minute, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell other people about the show. This helps them discover great interviews like this one. Now that you're done with this, you should check out our other Recode Radio podcasts. On Recode Media with Peter Kafka, you hear no-nonsense interviews with some of the smartest people in media and entertainment. I also host Too Embarrassed to Ask, where we answer all of your questions about consumer tech. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from all of Recode's live events, including the Code Conference and Code Media. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then. Today's show is brought to you by HBO. New internet, new problems. HBO's Silicon Valley takes its too-real satire of tech culture to the next level this season as Richard Hendricks pivots his startup to develop a decentralized internet. It turns out the road to an autonomous peer-to-peer network is paved with misguided car purchases, stealth acquisitions of pizza apps, and lots of public puking. And, of course, an ICO. No one said launching a startup was easy, but it sure is funny. Get new episodes of Silicon Valley Sundays at 10 p.m. on HBO.